ladies and gentlemen. And now, please give a warm welcome to Wesley Butterfield singing Fashion CEO from the fake musical Things That Will Never, Ever, Ever, Ever Happen. I'm a fashion CEO And today I'm gonna make less money I'll quadruple all my costs Creating clothes in my country I don't need someone to shame me It's my company, you can blame me After all the money paid me, really Who needs more? Worker's safety is my mission Despite shrinking my commission Because I will always think first about people whose names I can't pronounce over how much profit I make. Except I do value their culture, and so we'll make an effort to learn every single sweatshop worker's name so that I can personally ensure they don't get birth defects. Or their river turning black or whatever. Or at least one of my assistants. Please don't freak out. Do not freak out. Keep everything. Okay, panic, panic. The walls are caving in from the applause. You're all applauding too much. Relaxing too much. Mayday, mayday. We are all fucked. We are all fucked. Welcome back to the We Are All Fucked podcast. I'm Ben Yanetti. I'm Michael Y. Cox. I'm Tejas Doshi. Please follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your pods. And your feedback means so much to us. Please leave us a rating or quick review. We really love to hear from you. Or put a hate note to Ben. He loves getting shit on. I'm very insecure, so when you say something mean to me, it really sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is about fast fashion. It sounds cool, but it's really bad for the earth. But before we get into that, we want to address a few listener questions. Yeah, That's listeners. Awesome. And these aren't about fast fashion. This is about no, all no. aspects of life. They yeah. just were listening and curious. And, and thank you, listeners, for sending these questions to us. It means a lot. Uh, so the first one is from Felicia in Florida. Hey, she Felicia. Said, hey, Felicia. What's up, mommy? Uh, <laughs> That's going to be cut. Sorry, Felicia. <laughs> and your husband, if you have one. <laughs> Sorry to your man. Uh, she said, ask Tejas if I have a lot of meatless days, but not way-free days. Does that still count? What do you think, Tejas? So, uh, so first of all, shout out to Felicia. I think that's an excellent question to ask. And she actually made me go down a witch hunt. And I had to actually find out a lot of information to He's make taking sure. out some crumpled notes guys yeah I, wow. had to, I had to write down notes to make sure i was talking about like the right thing so here's the short answer first going way on the days you're meatless is significantly better than just eating meat and here are some numbers that prove it that way one pound of beef produces around 50 kilograms equivalent of carbon dioxide emissions lamb is 20 kilograms milk is 9.5, pig is 7.61, and whey is 2.03. So, so those numbers, the higher the number, the worse it is for the, the environment. Worse, the more carbon emissions. And one pound of meat was what? One pound of beef was 50 kilograms. And the whey was like two. Two. Oh, shit. So, so it's, it's like an way order better. of 25 times yeah. better for the environment, Felicia, right. for you to have those whey days. Right. And also, just on that note, so because it is a byproduct, of cheese so most way is actually just thrown away so in a way that's why like, i call it way because you throw it away throw it away <laughs> shout out to dads out there with the dad joke oh i, I laughed you're really uh, chuckling <laughs> oh, 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 oh. get back in your room uh, that's funny since it's already thrown away so it's actually good that you're using it but there is another side of the coin to it. Uh, because you do promote that industry. So milk production keeps going on for whey production as well. So I don't know where to draw the line on that. Uh, the best way to do it is not to eat whey because then you cut off the complete access to the meat industry. But if you do eat whey and not eat meat that day, it's like, what, 25 times better. 25 times better. Felicia, I once was going to buy a hybrid car that was half gas and half electric, and I couldn't wait to tell Tejas about it. I was so excited, and he was just like, yeah, that's, you know, 
fully electric would be better. So if you're feeling bad about yourself from that answer, it's okay. And I think the long and short is away day is better. It is. Than eating meat, but it's 25 times better. But the best would be to just eat nothing. Also, this doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat anything. If you could eat I'm plastic, that would no. be good. Yeah, if you can you. just eat microplastic, that'd be great. We got a lot of that. Wash it down with some clothing dye. <laughs> Question two from Andrew in Virginia, a green construction contractor for over 20 years. He does sustainable construction. He says, I heard a rumor that the energy it takes to manufacture, deliver, and install solar panels exceeds the total energy produced by that solar panel over its lifetime. You should explore that and find the truth. He also added, I'm touting your podcast every chance I get. And he's telling the truth because we got a whole bunch of listeners in Virginia. So wow. thank you, Andrew. Thank, thank you. you, Andrew. That's I will awesome. stop making fun of Virginia. It's a fine state. We don't you know, Andrew's solar. getting all these rumors about like uh, solar panels. He's in a different way different rumor stream than me like it's yeah. rumors. It's like i heard a rumor about solar panels i'm like oh i didn't hear that one <laughs> i i said but it's his business he, he came he came to my house one time and uh he saw my roommate and i's shower and he was like you boys have way too many soaps in there <laughs> well yeah, man yeah, needs one block of soap for his whole life. It's got like six curly hairs in it, but he can use that thing for 20 years. That's right, all a right. real man ever needs. A real man, but I'm a metro little girl boy. <laughs> Me too. I like to have soft skin. Sorry, Andrew. Uh, so let's talk about this. So so the rumor that it takes to manufacture, deliver, and install solar panels exceeds the total energy produced by them. What do you think, Tages? So Andrew is right, like in the sense that it takes a lot of energy to produce a solar panel, put it on transport it, all of that, you know, get it installed, get it up and running. But the total energy produced by the solar power far outweighs the energy it costs to produce it, you know. So in terms of energy equivalence, after one to four years, the solar panel generates enough power to become like to capture all the energy that was required for it to be produced. And after four years, it's just producing free power for you. So as long as you're going to have it for over four years. years. One yeah. to four years. One to four years. Yeah, Depends on the technology. Years. So the old ones like probably require four years. The newer technology, which is much more efficient, can do uh, within a year. So within a year, you'll have free power generation and like, you know. You'll have caught up to the install and creation it, cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Question number three. This is a response to a story I posted about Google and YouTube blocking climate denier content. The question is about freedom of speech on the climate debate, and it's from Cassie. So YouTube is blocking people who are, like, against climate change. Or, like, or yeah, sorry, deniers. Uh, and, yeah, deniers. deniers. That climate change that deniers, they're, they're starting to just uh, weed them out, say, you can't put this on this platform anymore. Right. It's like the flat earth That's theory. Lame. They took that out, too. They should be able to put They took that out? They should be able to say yeah. whatever they want on YouTube. I tend to agree. I think it's pretty un-American to limit what you can say. That's kind of like, that's the First Amendment. You know, that's the first thing of being an American almost. Unless it's YouTube. It's not like the New York Times. Well, and now, but also, YouTube is a private platform. And they make that money, they spend that money, and they can say what you can do on that platform. And it is, it's not government control. It's not a public property, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's content is user generated and user, you know, it's all the user that makes it happen. Without the user, they don't exist. Right. So. But the user mm-hmm. signs up for it. You know, they don't That's true. force the There's user to sign There's a really long up. sign-in thing that no one ever reads right, that you click right, agree right. to, like with yeah. everything. In one oh of those God. lines, they're like, yeah, you can't like say anything, you know. Yeah. I also want to say that I'm a total agnostic about everything, and I'm not 100% sure about anything. I'm 99.9% sure that we're fucked with the climate, but there's a 0.1% chance that it's all fake. And that we're just a brain in a Petri dish, and we're being different chemicals are being squirted on us, and some scientist is making us think whatever they want because this is all a simulation. You know, you're turning me on. <laughs> Tell me more about squirting on my brain. (laughs) Pass, pass, pass. (laughs) Fashion. The number one polluting industry is oil. The number two polluter on the planet is fashion. What? Is that for real? Yeah. Every crazy. Every second, the equivalent of one garbage truck of textile waste is landfilled or burned. One second. There's another garbage truck. There's another. There's another. 
there's another garbage truck. Where's it going to go on this flat earth? <laughs> 20% of all pollution on the planet is due to the garment industry. Sheesh. Wow. Yeah. Is that true, man? Yeah. Wow. I did yeah. not know that. That's... If nothing changes, by 2050, the fashion industry will use up a quarter of the world's carbon budget. So you're saying that just like clothing ourselves is going to be quarter of the world's problems? Quarter of um, the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> I was speaking with our guest yesterday and, and some of her uh, classmates brainstorming for this episode and, and they talked a lot about the system, how the main problem in fashion is the system. It's a system based on financial profit right. and growth right. and f financial growth over everything else, over right. human rights, over the planet. And, and when it becomes a survivability issue, right. like, like now, like if it's the number two polluter on the planet and we're in big trouble with pollution, then we're, we're, the value doesn't make any sense. Well, what they said was like, okay, what if we measured growth in happiness or community? Like don't measure it in GDP, measure it in emotional. Well-being or uh, just... A different metric. Survivability. I mean... Yeah, instead of being like Denmark's GDP this week, it's like Denmark's love rating this week is a five, which is yeah. great. Denmark's you know? love rating is five. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the, in, the, in the system as it is now, in the corporate system, you have to always be growing. You have to always right. be making more money. And that's not really the fault of any individual within right. the system. It's just the way that it is. It's just how how corporate stuff works. So to be honest, like I think that system worked really, really well, like fifty years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, because we did need growth. The, the competition. You know? We need. We yeah. did need like imperis to grow as a civilization. But now we've outgrown that we value took it system. Too far. Yeah, we've outgrown that value system. You know, people yeah. used to burn people like not long ago. You Let's know? not talk about burning people. Tej is going to get excited. <laughs> burn people a lot. There's a lot of people he wants to burn. I, I'm I'm just like making a point where that was accepted in society like not very long ago. You know, so when you outgrow a value system and you become more intelligent then you should come up with a you should adapt the new value system and it's like evolution. how we, it's like how we exactly. don't put a stick in an ant hill to eat the ants off of it anymore. right 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 we make an ant farm yep and, and we eat the ants out we burn them you eat ants too <laughs> yeah <laughs> they got a crunch on them of all the clothing that is produced 150 billion garments annually over 73 percent of that is burned or thrown away Less than 1% of all materials used in clothing production are recycled. Yeah, that's like thrift stores and stuff like that. I was reading about that too. You think like right. so many people drop their shit off at thrift stores, but it's actually only 1% of the produced stuff. Right, and not not all of that comes back into the system. There have been thrift they, stores they that burn they, yeah, they burn stuff too because they don't have enough space to keep it. Like, what are you going to do with all this stuff? Nobody wants, you know. Yeah, in, in countries that receive our garbage, like Ghana, they have a thing called dead white man's clothes right right and they get uh, i found out about this in in the documentary the true cost the true yeah. cost is a really powerful documentary tay just made us watch it ruined our night he held my eyes open like in clockwork orange yeah i was like you gotta watch this <laughs> let's talk about water if a bottle of water costs around two dollars per liter then how does it make sense that it requires nearly 3,000 liters of water to produce just one cotton shirt. Liter of water, $2. So 3,000 of those water bottles that you buy for two bucks somehow can create a t-shirt that you buy for two bucks. Yeah, that was made by a team in terrible conditions and then shipped across the world. With that, H&M is still making a profit and the shipper is making a profit and the sweatshops are making a tiny profit. So very tiny profit. This cost, like, where, how how are they making this profit? How yeah, the Cambodian sweatshop makes one hundred fifty dollars a month. The, the, of one the marker. They it, actually uh, in Cambodia they they went on strike. Yeah, against demanding yeah. one hundred sixty dollars a month from one forty or something. They like currently that. have one hundred and forty, and the result of them striking against H and M factories wanting one hundred sixty dollars per month for their daily work was getting shot by the police. The Cam sounds about Cambodian right. police shot them down. The The video of it is really unsettling. It's people screaming and crying and getting shot. And it's like, wow, that is happening for this cheap-ass fucking and shirt? And was for a $20 a month raise. 
Who That's the fuck cares that? about that? And the H&M board watched that with big gold masks on their head like in Squid Game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the VIPs. Yeah. Nobody fucking cares, dude. They'll still buy, like, more clothes, you know? By the way, 2,700 liters of water, that's enough water for an adult to survive on for two and a half fucking years. That yeah, much water for one shirt. To two survive drinking. worth of water to drink. If you had to pour 3,000 liters of water in your home, it is only then you would realize the, the monumental cost of your t-shirt, you know, or just clothing. We're all wearing cotton t-shirts. Oh, yeah. Right now, by the way. Just for the record, so, I'm wearing a cotton shirt, too. And so we're, has... we're looking at 9,000 gallons of water of t-shirt yeah. in this room right now. I'm not here to not be a hypocrite. <laughs> Me neither. If anyone understood <laughs> that, please write in. <laughs> cotton is the most common fiber used in making clothing. Almost 33% of all textiles. Cotton farming uses a total of 24% insecticide, 11% of pesticides, and 3% of arable land on the planet. Is that like a lot or something? I would like to talk a little bit more on that aspect. 24% insecticide is a quarter of all insecticides we use. So if you're telling me if one quarter of all the insecticides we use on the planet is just to make me feel look cute, so we use our arable land distribution is already for like not non-arable stuff, you know. So 3%, although it looks small, is actually a massive footprint. And what do you, we can't eat cotton. You can't like, know, take your shirt is, off and eat it, you know. Clothing, fashion, it's not about, oh, I just want to look cute. It's about expressing yourself. I mean, not for me, but some people, that's the point of fashion. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah, but, but, but this, is, this is irrelevant because uh, people who make their clothes can express themselves. Any any indigenous culture in the world is going to have awesome fashion. They're going to have right. crazy trends and right. stuff. And well, they, they make it all themselves. They don't buy it from people who pay the cost across the planet. Yeah, yeah but I just don't want to wear my own culture's fashion. Have you seen can what I... the Jews wear around here? I'm not dressing like that. <laughs> they wear everything they wear is from 1940. I want to look good. You know um, what I mean? Bad wigs. Terrible wigs. Where is the expression in wearing a piece of clothing that has 100,000 or a million copies of it? That's an interesting point. I I think looking good is like a really good, uh, really important part of like how you are as a human being, you know, because it uplifts you and things like that. But looking good in the name of destroying the planet is something I don't think I can get get along with, you know, and I I can't respect anybody who does. What do you want to do to someone that does that? (laughs) I... I don't know. We want to take the credit cards and burn them. That's the first oh, time. Oh, that's not too that. bad. No <laughs> human lives are lost. Cashmere, another common fabric for textiles. Common. I don't know about that. We call it cashmere. It's actually Kashmir. 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 It's a state in northern India. They just wanted us to know. And the fabric comes from the local wool of that state. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like how scotch can only come from Scotland or something like that. Like or or uh, champagne, champagne can only mm-hmm. be from that part of France, mm-hmm. right. true cashmere can only come from, from Kashmir. Kashmir, yeah. Uh, Kashmir. Kashmir. They've synthetically produced Kashmir now, so you can, like, make it in a lab. And, and this is it. bad? You're saying uh, it's taking away these, the real true... I, uh, no, I think synthetic Kashmir is so much better than natural Kashmir because can you imagine if every every sheep was, like... Can you imagine the the animal cost of, like, having, like, cashmere fed to people? Cashmere is super... trust sheep. Let me get that plain. <laughs> Have you looked in the eyes of a fucking sheep? Those things are evil. <laughs> Go online and look up goat walks on its hind legs right now. It's Wait, what? terrifying. It's really scary, man. Goat walks this black on goat just stands up on its hind legs and walks on two legs <laughs> through this door. It's really scary. It's on Reddit, so oddly terrifying. Up, if you, if you, if I can, I can. Uh, that sounds scary. I don't even want to think about that video, man. That scares me. Yeah. Yeah, look in the eyes of a goat. They're terrifying. So I'm with you. Yeah, but, like, but, but cashmere is not sustainable that's not a cashmere goat that's a cashmere outside goat (laughs) there are 150 billion garments produced annually jeez 60 percent of those are petroleum-based synthetics so any kind of dry fit material the stuff that we wear for exercise and that like wicks sweat you know it's oh that's plastic huh? it's plastic it's mostly plastic uh, also, the dye that we use in clothing is extremely toxic to the environment. The water used to dye clothing is wasted. In poorer countries like Bangladesh, check the tag on your clothes, 
There are very few wastewater treatment plants, which means the toxic dye goes straight into the rivers and water systems. You know, not all clothes have, like, the tag on it. It's tough. Like, I have this gimp suit at home, and there's no tags on it. I think <laughs> it's made of plastic. It's <laughs> fairly hot when I put it on. Most, can... You want a gimp suit to be hot. <laughs> <laughs> what? You, I, you're I've supposed to suffer. You, you, why dress up as a gimp if you're not going to suffer a little bit? That's such a good point. <laughs> Tejas, do you have a question? I have no idea what gimp is, so please enlighten me. It's like a big black suit where you got a zipper over your mouth and your eyes and you're like all encased in like hot leather and your mistress is spanking you and stuff. The oh. one over my mouth is actually Velcro. Whoa. We need to get a gimp suit for Tejas so he can test it out. We'll probably need to sew like three of them together for his long ass, but... I am very long, so... He's got yeah. such a big boner thinking about it right now. He really wants to be a gimp. <laughs> How do I get back from that? Um, How do we do transition from gimp suit? <laughs> Textile dyeing is also the second largest polluter of water globally. 500,000 tons of toxic microfibers are leaked into the ocean every year. That's about the weight of 2,500 blue whales. Do we even have 2,500 blue whales on the planet? Do we? I don't I don't know. Maybe we do. We killed I, a, I know so. we killed a lot of them. Yeah. The meat uh, is delicious. Is it? Is it good? No, I don't. You think I've eaten whale meat? <laughs> what am I, a Japanese fisherman in 1700? What are you, stubs from Moby Dick? <laughs> Listen, anyone who's in lit right now will get that joke. That's about <laughs> it. Uh, so that's, that's the weight of 2,500 blue whales is coming out of the clothes that we wash in microfibers. So oh, that's it, just from washing That's them. just from washing Not them. making them. That's just the cost of washing this shit. Yeah, it's like not even the, the, the factories that are really doing this. It's the people who take them home and wash them. That's us. China has the world's most... It actually has six of the world's 20 most polluted rivers. Uh, China's Yangtze River is the most polluted in the world and contributes the most pollution to the ocean. The second most polluted river is the Ganges in India. Is that how you pronounce that, Tejas? Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's actually Ganga. Uh, Ganga. Yeah. It's again whitewashed. Um, it's again whitewashed. <laughs> yeah, but like, I can't say Ganga, can I? Yeah, you just said it. Ganga. You just said it, dude. Ganga. I did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other countries featuring the world's most polluted rivers include, see if you can recognize any of these countries on your clothes, Bangladesh, as we mentioned, Nigeria, Indonesia, Brazil, Peru, Colombia, Ecuador, Philippines, Myanmar, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, and Taiwan. These countries are bearing the pollution sins of the world. They can't resist the money from richer countries to pollute themselves. Solution don't buy cheap clothes. Think of the cost per use, not the cost of purchase. This is Tejas's opinion, but I'm beginning to adopt it a little bit myself. High-end brands, such as Gucci, I can't believe I'm saying this, have higher quality clothing that will last longer and is more sustainable. Do you want to buy this question mark sweater for $700? Give me a fucking break, Tejas. Like, I mean, I would never buy that. Well, go sure. to the website. Find right. one thing you might buy for $700. Your mind will be blown. It's just that, like, for you personally, uh, it's much better to buy an um, expensive piece of clothing and wear it for longer periods of time than just rotating through your closet. You know, that's the that's the concept, at least in America or in first world countries. It's like, okay, I got to freshen up my closet. That is like the worst thing mm. you can do, you know. I mean, all of those clothes, polyester. I don't know if it's the worst thing you could do. Well, it's... Tejas is luxuriating in his Gucci leopard slippers right now. It's totally <laughs> so comfortable. Well, I have Nike One time slippers. Mike yeah. came behind me when I was at the ATM and I didn't know he was there. I thought I was alone. I hear somebody come in behind me, and he just poked me in the asshole with, with his thumb as hard as he could, like really hard poked my asshole while I was at the ATM. I have a very aerodynamic thumb. It flies Very the pointy. Like, I felt the trapezoidal shape of it. And, I can't uh, believe so that. that's the worst thing you can do? That, I thought, is the worst thing someone could do. Yeah, his eyes popped out of his head. <laughs> I, I take my words back. That is the worst thing you can do. You want to make a guy's eyes pop out of his head? Thumb blast him at the Chase ATM when he least expects it. <laughs> you blasted me. Uh. So you're listening to this. You're like, all right, I'm going to 
buy the right shit. I think I got a handle on this, blah, blah, blah. But then here's the thing where we're all fucking up pretty bad, especially if you buy fashion because many people buy two sizes because they don't know how something's going to fit and they return something. And this, I guess, is bad? Approximately 40% of clothing purchased online is returned. It's fucking ridiculous But that makes sense because you buy two sets and you return one. Yeah. That's fucking ridiculous. So the return clothes, you think they're going in the trash? So some of it comes back. But again, there is an environmental cost for it to come back too. You know, because you have to clean it, you have to wash it. So there's a water cost. You have to dry clean it, which takes more water than normal cleaning. Just for the record, dry cleaning is worse than normal cleaning. And then you have to, again... Put it in a new piece of plastic, then yeah. you put it in a new box, and then put a new label, and then ship it again the same amount of mileage, you know. And if the amount of money that it costs the brand to do that is higher than what you paid originally, it doesn't make sense for them to do that. They'll right, just throw right. it they'll away. They'll just throw it away. That's the best point Ben made. That, if it's cost mechanics breakdown, they'll just throw it away. Yeah. Th- that leads to 5 billion pounds of waste per year. It's the equivalent of the trash produced by 5 million people. Per year just for our returned clothes so pretty much the the brand is like uh we don't have it's going to cost too much to wash and dry clean this we'll just chuck it out yeah and that's five billion pounds of waste per year yeah yeah and this happens across multiple industries just fashion is not the only how many things can we return yeah because well this is the thing is to really hone in on here is like that just because you're returning this, it doesn't mean that they're going to put it back on the fucking shelf and someone yeah. else is going to try it on. It might just go straight in the garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which begs the question, why wouldn't they just give it to you for free in the first place? Why isn't yeah. that like a like sale? Who's, where... who's paying for this? Exactly. Which means that the person that made it didn't have to be squeezed the life out of them exactly. to have it made in the first place because exactly. they're just going to throw it away. Mm-hmm. They could have sales where they could just get rid of their inventory and give it to people for free or homeless people for free. They could do it. You could give all of this 5 billion pounds of waste to homeless people. But you don't want to see people, homeless people wearing Zara. That brings down the value mm-hmm. of, the, uh, of the brand. They'll look too good. They'll look too good. Workers' rights. When we buy a cheap piece of clothing, we pay less, but others pay more. The price of cheap clothing is paid in human suffering and wasted planetary resources. Ben's talking about sweatshops here, guys. Now, I did a little digging, because sweatshops might not be that bad. I went on adamsmith.org. It's a, a leading think tank, a nonprofit, nonpartisan way to promote neoliberal and free market ideas through research media and educational programs. They want to have free markets and free society. So their point is, listen, sweatshops are not that bad. He's saying... He's saying... Uh, you can, you can do I it. can't even get this out. You can do it. Sweatshops are great for economic and social development of a nation. The mm. money can be taxed and provide basic infrastructure. It can be spent by individuals on education, healthcare, <laughs> motorbikes, and goats. That's what he said. Goats. <laughs> If people wish to forego pleasant working conditions or escape worse working conditions for those things, who are we to stop them? We we found that sweatshops seem to be particularly good for women in the developing world. There's a paper that took a look. It's a Yale-Washington University paper from 2014. They looked at the impact of the garment industry had on young women in Bangladesh. They found that a girl who lived in villages closest to garment factories also known as sweatshops, had significant advantages compared to those who did not. Uh, you mean like uh, pregnancy problems and skin <laughs> yeah, disorders and cancer? and? But they say girls living near a factory are 28% less likely to get married school age than an average Bangladeshi girl Thanks. and 29% less likely to get pregnant. I wonder why they're 29% less likely to get pregnant if they work in a sweatshop. Mm. <laughs> it can't be because they're exposed to dangerous chemicals. That is so much to peel there. Like, I, I wonder. This if that is happened. that is two paragraphs too of a, a long article yeah, blog yeah, post yeah. called "How Sweatshops Help the Poor." Right. Their right, basic right. thrust is: What the fuck else are they going to do there? Right, the sweatshop right. gives them something to something, do and a yeah. way to earn income where right, they wouldn't right, no, right. normally have it. Now right. that is something that Adam Smith Institute—they're not the only ones saying that. No, no, I agree. I, I, that I, is the voice of the system. 
Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Ben, for saying that. And this is what people in power say to people who don't have power. Is yeah. it, oh, yeah, hey, you don't have anything. So We're let me give you, you something and then exploit you. We're giving let's, you three cents to 12 cents an hour. Let's You're talk welcome. about Let's talk about industries that have done the same thing. The diamond mining industry, the coal oh, industry, yeah. the energy industry, oil producing industries, fashion industries. Uh, let's talk about more Um they shit on you industries. and then they say you're welcome. Oh well, let, let's talk about how how the British came to India and then colonized us and then we're like, oh no no, this is better because you guys are all monkeys. So we I don't know make Bombay, sure. Mumbai, Bombay really flows off the top. <laughs> we talked about this before. Bombay is not a place in India. It's, it's just not. a mispronounced name. Mumbai is the place. Right. Even India. It's not even called India. It's called Hindustan. Nice. I'm glad you know that, man. Mm-hmm. But you guys don't have to say Hindustan. Yeah. It's India, is, India is an accepted term. Um, so that's fine. Um, but don't call it Bombay, please. That's very disrespectful. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Unless you're talking about the sapphire gin, stay it. Like keep that word out your fucking mouth. <laughs> or, or the Bombay sandwiches. <laughs> oh yeah, didn't he, you call them Bombay sandwiches? I know. I called it for my some of my friends because they didn't know what Mumbai was. So I was like, hey, it's Bombay. You know. That is so fucking sad. <laughs> I mean, like, I I don't want to like. I don't know what to say. What what should I say? Like, he's like, hey, no, it's Mumbai. Call it Mumbai sandwiches. You know. That's a shame. So my point basically is that there are some pro sweatshop economists out there. Right. So let's talk about some economics of sweatshops. The average American family of four spends $1,700 on clothing per year. It would take the average Bangladeshi sweatshop worker almost six years to make that much money as a gross figure. That's if they make a range of three cents to 20 cents an hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 71 months, 6,587 hours. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine living a life like that? Yeah, it's just, it, it's like... So much for economics. <laughs> I know, it's like, mm-hmm. we're spending $1,700 on clothing. The person making that for hours and hours and hours a day, it'll take them six years to make our clothing budget of a family of four. There is a, a system of competitive outbidding among garment workers. Um, like Zara will put something on sale... And then H&M will need to put it at a lower sale. And so they're going to take an even cheaper bidder. And this puts workers in the position of frequently having to work in places that are really unsafe. For instance, the 2013 Rana Plaza factory collapse in Bangladesh killed more than 1,100 garment factory workers all at one time. And they had warned management several times about cracks in the building. Everybody in there knew it was unsafe. But the, the factory owners didn't really have a choice they needed to make that bottom line payment fulfilling the orders and they didn't have time to get a new factory. So 1,100 people died in that. What is the cost of a human life? Nothing. Depends on where you're born. Depends on where you're born. Yeah, you might not remember the Rana Plaza factory collapse, but there's a really iconic photo from it of a man holding a woman. They're holding each other in their arms and they were crushed. And uh, Like he was protecting her. Yeah, Yeah. it was like their last moments together. I know sentimentality is not my job here, but that that picture is like burned into my brain. I'm I'm sorry about that, man. Yeah, it is. Again, that documentary is called The True Cost, and it's it's pretty insane. So remember, if you ever see that documentary and you see come across that photo, remember next time you buy a piece of clothing, you do contribute. Some if of you that. buy a piece of clothing on an extremely slashed, on an extremely low, low cost yeah. thing, yeah, 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 then there's, yeah, yeah. there's some human Thank suffering you, that went yeah. into that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So it's not seven dollars the cost of it. Yeah, it's it really costs just as much as a luxury item costs it because does. in in a luxury item you're valuing the workers, correct, and the planet, and the planet. You know, there is an actual price you pay for the carbon that was emitted. Can't say that for like fast fashion. Yeah, so uh, in countries like Bangladesh, they have done studies on pregnant women. This is from the International Journal of Medical Arts 2020. This is uh, a study of pregnant women working inside 
textile mills who are inevitably exposed to a huge pollution that can result in adverse pregnancy outcomes. 64.1% of the exposed group's pregnancies were complicated versus 16.1% of the control group. So that's a four times increase in pregnancy complications from women working in textile mills. The people that are working in these industries are exposed to really uh, bad health conditions. Toxic byproducts of clothing manufacturing cause cancer, jaundice, liver disease, skin disorders, boils, pustules, and contaminate the food and water in the area of these usually Southeast Asian countries. In India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, and other heavy textile industry areas, jaundice is very common, even among children. It is so common that we don't even like consider it as a disease. My father got jaundice, which was like, yeah, just jaundice. And I was like, okay, I guess it's not that life-threatening. And then I realized it is pretty Yeah, my brother was born with that. He looked like a fucking Simpsons character. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> really he young. still looks like a Simpsons character. <laughs> <laughs> Our guest, Katie McDonough, is currently the head of USA at Subi, an Australian brand. She's also been an account executive at Valentino and Rebecca Taylor. She has a BA from Stanford University and is currently getting her master's at Harvard with a focus on sustainability. Hello, Katie. And I thought Katie's specifications were confusing. <laughs> I know, hers are, hers are pretty confusing. You people and all your degrees. <laughs> yeah, what's up with you guys? Stop learning. Things. Just two, just two of them. <laughs> what's harder to get into, Stanford or Harvard? Oh, yeah. Um, Stanford. At least as an un- I think I, this is a very controversial opinion. I think grad school in general is easier to get into than undergrad. So it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stanford. So the, the, the Harvard, getting into Harvard, it, it, super easy. You just breeze through. It's a piece of cake. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, I'm, no. Katie, I've seen a lot of your work in mm-hmm. sustainability in denim especially, Mm -hmm. and also uh, how brands are becoming more sustainable, who's doing well with it, who's doing not. Let's talk about fashion with the processing phase, the consumer Mm -hmm. phase, and the Mm post-consumer phases of clothing. What are those different phases? Yeah. So the life cycle of clothing, it goes through a life cycle. So it starts through manufacturing, production. So processing is specifically dyeing, wet processing, um, continues through final stages of the life cycle or the consumer use phase, which is actually the most impactful phase in the life cycle of a piece of clothing. So you're saying that the consumer who then washes mm-hmm. the clothes has more impact on the environment mm-hmm. than the industry people who are dyeing the clothes and mm-hmm. uh, shipping them and all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So I could go into so much detail on you know, the change that needs to be made from within the industry, the policy that needs to happen to really form what these industry leaders are doing. But really the most impactful stage is, or the the biggest impact comes from consumers. A consumer just chooses to wash a piece of clothing every 10 times as opposed to every two times. You can significantly reduce the electricity that's used, the amount of water that's used, Um, all these different things that go into the total impact of a piece of clothing. I think there's probably a lot of dudes, scruffy dudes right now who are like, oh, yeah, I can wash my clothes less. Yeah, they're like, I do that anyway. (laughs) I'm saving the world over here. Yeah, yeah, my pants are filthy. It's it's for the environment. Uh, Is it? uh, It's more... impactful with jeans right because jeans take more water to wash than just a normal piece of clothing anyway yeah mm-hmm. exactly so and even jeans that are or i mean i've done a lot of research on stretchy denim which right. uses yeah so it uses polyester and elastane to create that stretch that creates microfibers so not only are you using a lot of water but you're releasing microfibers into that water yes mm-hmm. so and- jeans in particular are very Bad. And also there is no like filtration system for these microplastics that like exist in our water lines or sewage systems. So they don't catch it. It just like goes in. Yeah, absolutely. I know there are some innovations. I think there's something called like a guppy friend and it's supposed to basically act the way a dryer filter works. So think about like when you're doing a load of laundry and you empty out that filter after you do a load of um, or after you dry your clothing, mm-hmm. all that stuff that's in that filter 
most of that is, I mean, you might find like some dog hair, some random other stuff, but most of that is, that's the microplastics that are found in your clothing. Nothing like that has existed. And we're lucky because that's built into most dryers. Nothing like that exists for washing machines. There's nothing like that built into a washing machine. So people are starting to realize there needs to be innovation in that area. And so there are certain things that you can throw into your washing machine to help catch those, those microfibers. My brother once put me in a washing machine, but I don't think I caught any microplastics. I just got a lot of trauma. <laughs> Whose idea was that? That wasn't your it was idea? My idea. Yeah, it was your idea. I always to wanted to be put machine. in a washing machine. It's fun. So, Katie, which is worse for the environment? A rugged, rugged ass real jeans or a pair of soft, stretchy, elastic jeans? The soft, stretchy, elastic jeans absolutely worse for the environment. And with that, throughout the whole manufacturing processing phase, and because you're um, using those additives, you also have to use the synthetic indigo dyes, opposed to natural dyes, such as adding like synthetic material on top of synthetic material on top of synthetic material. So in those phases, definitely worse for the environment, definitely worse for water pollution. And then once it reaches the consumer use phase, you know, you're going through washing, you're going through drying, all of those are being released into consumers machinery, which ultimately ends up in the water. And then even post-consumer use phase, if you discard into landfill, it takes about like 200 years for those microfibers to break down. And as they break down, they release um, like methane gases into the environment. So that's awful. Wow. Um, it's, it's also just having all those Additive. synthetic materials. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. For it to be effectively recycled. And that's just the, you know, the singular piece of denim that's not taking into account all the extra threading, the buttons, the rivets, any sort of tagging, um, which of course, as a consumer, you're thinking, if I'm just recycling this, I'm doing a good thing. You're not thinking to pull off the rivets that have been, you know, industrially sewn into the denim, you know, near impossible to remove. Um, I don't even know how to pull off a rivet. Exactly. I think so, my grandpa might know, but he won't tell me. He's like, you're not man enough to know about rivets. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. jeans are better for my curves? Rugged jeans or stretchy jeans? Uh, stretchy. There you go. See? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's like a petite, thick type. <laughs> Is that a type? <laughs> you got little thick sections. <laughs> tasty little bites. Uh, so, uh, Katie, I, I, I have could, a quick question. Sorry. Who are yeah. you wearing? Who am I wearing? I actually have on denim from the brand that I work for right now. So. Is it pronounced Subi? It's pronounced Subi. It's mm-hmm. a it's a very stylish website. Mike and I were looking at it. Yeah, it is mm-hmm. very trendy. Yes, yeah. yeah. We have a lot of Gen Z clientele. So, what, what's some Australian slang that you come across in the marketing? Um, I don't know. I think they do like worldwide marketing, so they try not to use Australian slang. Oh, okay. I will say the most interesting slang that I've come across. In my time at the company, I was on a call with my CEO and he's talking about the importance of certain actions. And he's like, yeah, we're not here to fuck spiders. I was like, excuse me. <laughs> we're not here to fuck spiders. <laughs> what does that yeah. mean? <laughs> it's just, it's like spiders are so small. Right. There's no right. point in. They're too hard know, to try to fuck. You might as well fuck something bigger. Yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. we're not, we're not focusing on the small stuff. Right. right. The big stuff. That is my favorite <laughs> saying i've ever heard we're not here to fuck spiders that blows my mind only an aussie would come up with such a cool wait is it is it an australian thing or just somebody's no that's it, yeah. australian they have yeah. so yeah, many fucking sure. spiders over there yeah, although there's do. spiders in australia you probably could fuck because they're yeah. enormous yeah and the guys are yeah. hung too so it's extra ridiculous <laughs> yeah they all they have a couple weird phrases and like if you're just saying sorry casually like you bump into somebody you say saws Oh, so, okay, I'm going to start doing that immediately. <laughs> I'm moving there now. <laughs> have you if taken there, a trip to uh, Australia? I have, I have never been. I'm. Hopefully I'll go soon. Yeah, it seems really cool. So uh, are, Valentino, Rag and Bone, um, mm-hmm. uh, Rebecca Taylor, are, are any of those brands moving towards more of a sustainable marketplace? Yeah, I know Rag and Bone. They've been focusing on trying to produce more organic, like 100% organic t-shirts which I think is a great start um you know I'm big on focusing on the small easy starts and working your way up you don't have to completely overhaul your entire supply chain from the get-go um you know small easy steps into it and then Valentino so Valentino is like a luxury Italian brand and I believe very strongly that you know these couture houses these heritage um houses they are inherently sustainable a lot of them if they're doing couture shows or you know, like made to measure clothing, 
that just eliminates waste right there because they're creating a specific piece of clothing for a specific person. They're only creating it if it's been ordered and paid for. Also, yeah. a lot of the seamstresses that they hire have been working with them forever. They work in house in Italy. It's all being like done in Italy. So there's a lot less transportation. Um, and a lot more gesturing. Yeah. A lot more gesturing, a lot more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a lot more gesturing. Um, and it's just, it, it's inherently more sustainable, but something that we were, we were talking about yesterday is that once you kind of create like a lesser brand. So in the case of like Armani, um, they have their, their heritage brand and then they have exchange or um, money exchange. Exactly. And right. so, you know, they can still label it as produced or, you know, made in Italy if three out of however many steps of the manufacturing process are done in Italy. So you could be growing cotton in, you know, in China, you know, it could be like the Ouija slaves in China growing the cotton and then being, you know, sent to Bangladesh and then being sent back to China and all of this. And if, you know, it's finally sewed up in Italy and the final steps are done in Italy, they can still say it's made in Italy. So you know, I, I, we're seeing kind of like a, an uptick in brands that are founded on sustainability in recent years. You have Reformation, you have boyish denim and nudie jeans. You have, um, I mean, I love Patagonia. They're founded on sustainability mostly. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. I love Patagonia. I have everything Patagonia, man, for my hiking and climbing gear. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're great. If you haven't read the book, Let My People, I think it's Let My People Go Surfing. It's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Let my people go surfing. <laughs> Anyone that's been to a Passover Seder, you know what I'm yeah. talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah just yeah, on that note, the CEO of Patagonia like has come out many, many times on air and said like on everybody's face that you know like we try to be the most sustainable and there are still gaps in our company that mm -hmm. we still try to fill you know yeah wow. they're very transparent and i think he's even been quoted as saying he he prefers when people stop buying their clothing because it yes. means that you know they're satisfied with what they currently own and they're yes. repairing it and rewearing it um so he's happy with kind of sales CEO, going trying to make money what's yep. your game here pal? yeah what's your what's, deal? um I'm, I'm i'm very frustrated that tages has been right this whole time about luxury brands any like small niche brand basically mm -hmm. is much more sustainable than h&m or somebody which is like mass oh, producing yeah because yeah the cost per use is also something that needs to be taken into account i don't know one person who has thrown away their gucci bag so the cost yeah. per use and the energy required per use is also something that needs to be taken into account when counting all of yeah. these things. The quality is just so much better. And exactly. also the way that, I mean, the like the production calendar for these luxury brands is, it that makes it more sustainable, I think. So Couture House's luxury brands, they're putting out like four collections a year, just right. like one like spring, pre-fall, fall, pre-spring. And so four collections a year. Once you get kind of like more to the middleman areas, so like a rag and bone or like the company that I work for, it's anywhere from eight to 12 collections a year. Zara, they put out, I think it's like 12 collections a week. 12? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's outrageous. Yeah. So since it's so much on the consumer to fix all this stuff, like mm -hmm. what are some other ways besides guppy friend that, you know, the random New Yorker can do to not fuck everything up so bad? Yeah, absolutely. I think the easiest steps you can take, wash on cold instead of hot. That reduces yep. electricity. Wash on cold. I, yeah, I didn't know yeah. about that. If you have the, the option to line dry or just like lay out your clothing to air dry instead of putting it through a dryer, I know that's difficult for those of us who live in New York. You mm. know, it's not like West Side Story where you look out and they're like... Yeah, right. I yeah. I don't know if my like going from window to window. But... I know. I don't know if my alleyway neighbor will agree with the line putting across, but I I love the look. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but if you have that option to to line dry as opposed to using a dryer, that's that's a, a crucial step to make. Repairing any sort of clothing as opposed to just automatically throwing it away. Um, I think it's important to point out that if you know clothing is it's beyond repair or just like completely damaged donation place do, donation collection centers won't really accept it so if you have the capability of repairing it yourself rewearing it upcycling all of that is fantastic to do you don't have to really complicate anything you know just like wash less wash on cold air dry repair yeah i've been recycle. darning i've been darning my own socks it's very pleasing i gotta say <laughs> darning what does that mean what darning is, is like sewing katie you know about darning right you're in fashion 
Do you say yeah. darn a lot in your, in I've, your life? No, I've never said it. <laughs> Wait, is, you know that song, Eleanor Rigby, donning his socks in the night. That is oh, true. I thought, yeah. I thought that meant like take them off, like donning. No, it's like, like darning, like sewing. Interesting. Oh, oh, guys, get it together. Oh, yeah, but I've never used that term. But you know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she wouldn't, dude. She face, would face. never use you got that. Face. You got face. I it's, not that I, it's not that I would never. I just have never. It, it, do people need to stop wearing denim? No, absolutely not. No. You know, just instead of automatically going online and ordering a, you know, 10th piece of denim, take a second, think, do I really need this? Is it really going to add to my wardrobe? Um, is it a crucial item? Is there something in my wardrobe that are already works for what I want? That, but that's, that's such a tricky thing for people. It to is, do, especially it? for Canadians. Now, now traditionally Canadians wear uh, tuxedos made out yes. of denim. And and that's that's like an indigenous thing, you know. I don't want to take that away from them. So can can, can Canadians still keep doing that? We don't have any Canadian mm-hmm. listeners, otherwise I probably wouldn't, wouldn't make this joke. But can they still keep doing that? Yeah, they can. Okay, good. Well, since we don't have Canadian listeners, we can make fun of them even more. Katie, do you have any Canadian jabs you want to throw in before we move on? I was gonna try to throw out some accents, but that yeah, would, this that's gonna come. This will come back to bite you in ten years. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, when you're trying to work in Saskatchewan. Yeah. <laughs> insensitive to canadians what are some brands that you really like right now that that our listeners can feel good about buying from i know you mentioned uh, nudie jeans yeah yeah i think there are a number of like denim companies that are doing it particularly well so i think levi strauss they're doing a really fantastic job i think they're them as a company they did the very first life cycle on a pair of denim um their web they're very transparent, um, very informational. I would highly recommend going to their website, just doing a little search around. I, I definitely believe in any company that is transparent about what they're doing. Um, they definitely are looking to make um, a difference. They provide a lot of resources for recycling. They put tags into their denim on how to properly care for the items as well as how to properly recycle them um, or get rid of them. So they're doing a really nice job. See who else is so Dang, Katie, jeans. you're lighting up when you talk about Levi. I think you're in love with something. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, calm down. <laughs> yeah. Also, traditionally, I mean, Levi's is a very traditional denim brand. So the amount of, you know, polyester and elastin that they are using in their denim is very, very minimal. Mm-hmm. Cool. So and it's the CEO is going to hear this and shoot his revolver into the sky. So many times. <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> like one more. Um, another one, let's see, I think there's one company, it's called Triarchy and the founder, they actually, they did a lot of developing to come up with a synthetic alter, or like a, an alternative to a synthetic fiber to create the stretch in denim. So you can still get that stretch and comfort in denim without using traditional elastane. That's Triarchy? Uh, Triarchy mm-hmm. does that? Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. exactly. I talked about nudie jeans. They provide a lot of resources for repairing and reusing. Um, Boyish, they also work to develop an alternative to spandex and elastane. Um, Mm -hmm. It's created completely from 100% textile waste. Cool. So that's that's an alternative too. So who's... Okay, we know that there's a lot of pollution coming from fashion. It's a number number two polluter in the planet is fashion. Who's... Whose fault is this? Is this is this the brand's fault? Is it the CEO's fault? Is it the consumer's fault? Is it the worker's fault? I think you can put a lot of blame on CEOs and investors. I think you can put a lot of blame on consumers for providing that demand. And then just, I think you can put a lot of blame on the way that the industry has grown organically over the last, you know, 200 years. So uh, the blame is definitely to be spread. Yeah. Uh, but that also, that also means that innovation and the solution can also be spread. You shouldn't put it just on CEOs and investors and policymakers or just on consumers. It's really, you know, action has to be taken at all levels. Because it's everybody's fault. It's everybody's fault. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's hands are dirty here, you know. Yeah, exactly. Katie McDonough, everybody. Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Great work. So... Katie says the overarching thing really so, is what. So hmm, what can we take from that? It seemed like there wasn't really just one person who takes the blame. It's, it's not our fault. It's not the CEO's fault. It's not the shipper's fault. No. It's kind of everybody's fault. All of us are criminals here. Hmm. Thank you for staying with us on the Hallmark Channel. And now for the ending of our Christmas special. It's a wonderful fault. That's Everybody's, starring Jimmy Stewart. Say, I just, 
I just realized something. Why, why, fast fashion isn't just some CEO's fault. It's, it's your fault, Mary. It's my fault? And Clarence, and it's even my fault, too. And you there, the shipper of all this clothing. Why, shipping all that denim around? Well, I'll be damned. And you, Mr. Sweatshop Pit Boss, why... It's my fault, too. Why, you're working all those poor children to the bone. Calm down, George. Your veins are popping out of your... They're children, Mary. Gosh, George. And the politicians? Well, sure, they're turning a blind eye, too. I'm just... It's not my fault. I'm so happy to be here with you all, just sharing all the blame. It's all of our faults. It's a wonderful fault. George, I love sharing blame, but I have some sweatpants I need to return. Can we wrap this up? Oh, Mary. M Mary, it's your fault most of all, Mary. You're the consumer, Mary. You're voting with your wallet, can't you see? I love you, George. And I love you too, Mary. Come on, everybody, let's sing a song. Well, now, now hang on a minute now. Now, it's not the politician's fault. We, we, we're for the people. We don't, it, fashion is an expression for that uh, people have used for a I, I need your vote. So, it's everyone's fault, according to Jimmy Stewart. I think that was Timmy Stewart, his brother. That might have been Timmy. So what is some good news to make us all not feel so bad about ourselves? Yeah, we're fucking it all up with fashion, so maybe there's a bright side? Anyone? Here's some positive stuff. I, I got something good. There's this thing called the Renewal Workshop. Basically, they partner with the world's best-loved brands and retailers to renew their unsellable returns and excess inventory. So instead of maybe throwing away 5 billion pounds of returns, they're going to take some of the stuff and repurpose it and resell it. That's really Upcycle nice. it. Upcycle yeah. it. I got another positive thing. Compostable underwear is now a thing. There's a ton of brands that are making these. They make bras and underwear that will completely biodegrade, so there's zero waste. They sound sexy. One of them, yeah, I know. <laughs> Very earthy. You know, edible panties are <laughs> I knew fully about sustainable. That there's nothing I want more than to eat a fruit roll-up off a woman's body while I'm in an intimate moment. That's I mean, great. have you ever eaten a fruit roll-up? It sticks in your teeth. I'm not I'm not about to get physical after that, just saying. <laughs> you got to go brush your teeth after that. Yeah. <laughs> Floss after that edible underwear, and then I'll get right back with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's take a 10-minute break. <laughs> Meet the Very Good Bra, the world's first zero-waste bra. Its Kickstarter campaign exceeded its $20,000 goal in around 48 hours, and they are now shipping these things out. So if you That's want... That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest positive stuff to take here is that more and more people realize what the real impact of, of fashion is. And as more governments realize it too, uh, there is systemic pressure that is coming in. Yeah. And hopefully that will change the way things are done. Let's pay talk up. about pay up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So during the pandemic, during lockdown, that kind of came out of nowhere and... Uh, Fashion brands had put in their normal amount of orders to these workers and sent them out. And then the pandemic hit and lockdown hit and suddenly nobody wanted to buy clothes anymore. They wanted to buy very different kinds of clothes. And so that was going to be a massive profit hit to the brands. And so they decided just not to pay for the orders that they had ordered. And all these people who were really depending on this for their subsistence, like talking about people who were literally living on a bag of rice a month for a whole yeah. family they did not get their money and so this social media campaign pay up hashtag pay up was started and most of the biggest world brands have decided to honor their commitments and and pay up here's 21 quick brands that have committed to hashtag pay up to have orders completed and workers paid adidas asos gap h&m zara kiabi levi strauss Lululemon, Marks and Spencer, Next, Nike, Primark, PVH, which is Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren, Target, Tesco, Under Armour, Uniqlo, and VF Corporation, Timberland, North Face, Vans, Dickies. So, awesome. 20 brands that are committed to pay up. That's really cool. So this social media thing happened. People, people shamed them. They said, hashtag pay up. And to make them fulfill their orders from the pandemic that were putting families out of food, uh, by by them not completing their orders, and now all these brands have paid up these people. It's not all of them. I have a few that haven't. That have refused to pay up. Fashion Nova, 
Forever 21, J.C. Penney, Coles, Oscar de la Renta, Mother Care, Sears, The Children's Place, T.J. Maxx, Marshalls, Urban Outfitters, Free People. It's called Free People. They will not pay people. I guess that's what they're called, Free People, because they think people should work for free. Anthropology, Walmart, and uh, American Eagle. Wow. Damn. I guess we are all fucked. I guess so. Yes, we are. I'm Ben Yanetti. I'm Michael Cox. I'm Tejas Toshi. Special thanks to Katie McDonough, our guest. We had a great time with you. Also, special thank you to my dad, Michael Yanetti, who played piano and sang for that song at the beginning off of our stupid-ass lyrics. It sounds amazing, and it's been stuck in my head so bad the past couple days. <laughs> and also, special thank you to Jamie Doshi, who joined us in our Jimmy Stewart sketch opposite Mike. This was her first acting thing, and I thought you were just so funny. You just killed it. She's also married to Tejas, by the way. Thanks a lot. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. See you next time. Take care. I'm a hellbilly. Want some corn? <laughs> I got some corn. Are we recording this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, don't record that. Tejas, God, uh, damn, that was good. We've been doing our Tejas Indian voice, which is quite offensive, so Tejas wants to give his no. American accent a try. <laughs> yeah. How was it? <laughs> it was great. That was even... some corn? That's us. You got us nailed. <laughs> one more time. One more time. <laughs> You want some corn, baby? <laughs> we do love corn. I know, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs>